Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're going to be taking a deeper dive into 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. We're still in the rollout of the new mission tag for the church, expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. This week, uh, we talked about the characteristic of being available with respect to discipleship. So uh, looking at the, the call, calling of Samuel and also of the, um, the rich young ruler's response to Jesus' call to, to follow him. So how did this passage, how did this collection of passages strike you when you heard it this week, Pastor Dean? And what were some of your chief takeaways? Um, I know I had mentioned you, to you before, this, this definitely was a convicting sermon and convicting passages to me because availability is hard. Um, you know, I'm a mom of young kids and a pastor and do work with another organization, have a house, have a family, have a spouse. And so availability, availability to God can come further down on the list than perhaps I would like to admit at most points in my life. Um, and it, it's hard because it's not that I don't want to be available it's not that I don't want to do all the things I should that lead other people to Jesus, work hard for the church, work hard for my family. Um, it, there's just so much pushing. There's so many pressures on us as people in 2023, as people in, in middle-class America in 2023. So many opportunities that, that like I said, it, it, this is a hard thing to think about. The one um, one of the things you said keeps rattling around in my brain, you know, being available to one thing means that you are unavailable to other things. Mm-hmm. And I know that is a, an area where I struggle because I constantly think we can do all the things we can, <laughs> we can make it all happen and we can do these two things at one time and these two things in one day. And, and truly I know, I mean, you think I would have caught on by now and not ourselves in this position but then it just kind of cheapens all of the experiences when when you're worried about when you have to leave one place to get to another when when you were talking about it it struck me that you know every young couple that is learning how to split holidays with their family has to navigate this (laughs) i remember those days yeah oh that was awful like all right if we leave this aunt's house by this time we can get to this grandparent's house and they're eating at this time and they're eating at this time. And then at the end of the day, you've eat, either eaten four entire meals or you've eaten nothing because you've missed it everywhere you've gone. <laughs> and I think that's so, so much like our, the way we've programmed our lives these days that at the end of the day, we just arrive exhausted and worn out only to wake up and do it again the next day and you'd use the image of a treadmill like how do we even get off that what do we yeah what do we drop out because we want we want our kids to be on these teams we want to enjoy time with these friends of ours we want to do these things we want to serve the church we want to do all the things yeah how do we train our brains to remember that we can't do all the things. And that's a, that's an image that actually comes right out of, of parenting my boys who like to ask me 50,000 questions. And so, um, 
I, I've talked to them about the fact that like, if you keep doing this, it's like I'm on a treadmill and I, I can't get off. And I'm like, guys, what's it like when you're on a treadmill and you can't get off? They're like, it's tiring. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So, um, that's a, that's, it came from direct life experience with, with two young boys. And, and that really is, I mean, when I think about the scheduling, cause of course the, um, we're, we're getting ready. Uh, we, we had to talk about hockey and deck hockey and mm-hmm. baseball and so on just yesterday. And that's part of the conversation, like, and, and, uh, music lessons. Yeah. And it's part of the question, uh, the conversation that we had, are we stretched too thin as a family? Are there ways to make this work that makes it manageable or do we have to cut things? And there's this pressure and I, no one told me growing up that as a parent, you have to put your child into every sport and organization. Yeah. And yet that is a very, very real pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like you're a bad parent if you're not. Yeah. You, what do you mean? They're not going to this or you're not going to that or you're not playing on this team. Yeah. It, it, it is you're hard. You're denying them the, those opportunities to mm-hmm. grow. And it's like, Oh, and I'm fortunate that my children are, are really sociable people and they, they want to do all the things too. Mom, can I go to this camp and that camp and this camp? Well, buddy, that would mean like three camps back to back. Yeah. So like, wait, you'll be a miserable <laughs> human being at the end of it. And then we're, you know, we're all going to pay the price of that. And so choosing, choosing how to spend our time and resources of which time is one, of course, is really hard I think I would say that's where as an individual and as a family we struggle the most how do we do all the things and and care for the house and the the property and you know be good stewardships of all that we've been given and also honor all the relationships in our lives and also you know grow physically and emotionally and in the arts and and all the things um and it's it's just um, it's almost impossible I would say it is impossible um and so I we we find ourselves having to ask what's what's most important like you said if you know are we spread too thin and if so then what what can we drop but not just what can we drop what do we have to drop like what do we actively have to say no to yeah it's almost like the the image of the perfect child is is a kid who is scoring a hockey goal while playing Mozart and getting an A on his chemistry test all at the same time. Yeah. And that's impossible. And and what we're talking about is, is really that first point of application, uh, where I said that disciples have to have margin in their lives and, and margin may or may not be a, a, I hear that term a lot because I listen to leadership, Mm -hmm. um, things quite a bit. Um, kind of a byproduct of working on my doctorate. And, and uh, you know, margin is, you know, if you think about a piece of paper, the margins are those areas where nothing really happens. Um, but if you have a, um, but if you have a, um, a, a bit of text or writing or a note that doesn't fit into the main body, you can squeeze it into the margin. But the thing is, if you keep squeezing into the margin, all of a sudden you're out of paper. Um, and I think, well, that's a funny, funny comparison, but it reminds us that we are finite, you know, a piece of paper only has a finite amount of, of surface area to it. 
And in the same way, we have a finite amount of of uh, physical margin. We have a finite amount of spiritual margin, a finite amount of emotional or psychological margin, and, and a finite amount of chronological margin too, which is some of what we're talking about. And so, um, you know, we if we are scheduled to the point where one thing sets us off, and, and you know, that's the that's the difficult thing. Oftentimes, the evidence of of not having margin isn't necessarily a schedule that looks full, but it is the incapacity to flex mm-hmm. towards any curveball that you have. Yeah, yeah, and we and we we've had days like that where you know either my husband and I are like, oh, I you know I'm late. I can't I can't pick up. I can't do. How are we going to do this? How you know and we end up racing home to get the next person to the next thing. And then it's amazing the way it affects our mood or affects what's coming after. Like I had to leave and stop what I was doing because this had changed and I needed to get this person here. So now I have all this work to do at home that I have to restart in a different way. Whereas if I had just finished it before, it would take me 15 minutes. Now it's going to take me an hour. Um, And it's hard. And I think, you know, as I hear about, margin like I want that for my life but it's hard in a world that keeps asking us to do more and more and more and be more available and be and do more it's hard to to carve that out like it it takes a self-discipline I think that's harder than we admit and realize a lot to say no to say you know to the the nosy mom like no my kid's not gonna play on that team because we could not make it work as a family or because this person's Mm. stuff also matters and so you know we have to balance all these things yeah that's uh, so i i know one of the downsides of getting a bit more experience in public speaking and preaching and so on like i can rattle some of these things off Mm -hmm. and make it sound easy and, and like oh you just add more margin to your life and and then you have the flexibility and it's like when it comes down to practicality I recognize that what I'm saying really involves a lot of pain Mm -hmm. because oftentimes the things that we have to cut are good things. Yeah. You know, no one has has bad things eating away at their margin. And like, if I could just add one more family fight, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what we're talking about is by nature, things that are good and things that, that help develop kids and help, you know, either build uh, team skills or it's building coordination or it's, mm-hmm. it's building uh, relationships or, you know, teaching them to be a, you know, a decent human being. Yeah. Um, and at some point, though, we can add so much of that good stuff in that, that it all becomes bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. all becomes a chore. It all be- we don't enjoy any of it. It all becomes treadmill. Mm-hmm. And then you're just running from one thing to another. Oh, wait, this is this is Tuesday at 430. What do we have today? And what do we have tomorrow? And if we're asking ourselves, when's the next time I'm going to get a break? Yeah. That's a good sign. Or if we're saying, oh, I will get a break in like 30 years. It's yeah. okay. And you're, No, it's not okay. And we almost prize that kind of mentality like well my my kids are only home for 18 summers and so I have to cram as much as I possibly can into it and I I see both sides I mean it it is such a finite amount of time and yet 
what are we teaching people? We're, you know, we're teaching these very kids that, that busy is king and, and no opportunity is to be missed. And it, it reminds me of conversations we've had before on the podcast, that idea that if you just work hard enough, if you do enough stuff, then the blessings will come, whether they look like more playing time or better grades or, you know, how often we hear people working towards a scholarship. Well, I have to do all these things that so looks good on my transcript so that I can get a scholarship, mm-hmm. but to what end? Right. And, and I think, I mean, I think that to what end question, we ask it kind of flippantly, but, but really I think we'd all do well. I know I would do well to, to re-examine like what, what has the ultimate authority in my life? What are the priorities? And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why we're doing this mission statement anyway, so that as a church we can say, what are our priorities and where can we stop spinning our wheels because they're not getting us to where we want to be because yeah. they're not achieving these things. And so I think to me, the first step in, in working towards more margin is being clear as an individual and then as our family unit, like what are our priorities? What are the things Mm. that we value most and want to work towards? And then let's let everything fall into that, into that. And let's let that help, help, help guide us where we need to say no and where we can say yes. Yeah. We were talking before we hit the record button that, that this really comes down to a question of ultimate things. You know, what's, what's ultimate? And, and so I, I relay that, that there are so many times where I hear parents say, I just want my kids to grow up happy. I want them to have a good childhood. And, and that's fine and well, and it really sounds, no, that's a good thing. You know, you don't, you know, you don't want to be with a parent that's like, my job is to make you miserable, mm-hmm. you know? And, and my so it, kids think that. Well, okay, yeah, so. our kids always yeah. think that. But, you know, the reality is like, if we aim for happy, what's, what is the definition of happy? If we are defining that on the world standards, then is that getting to play, you know, ball, uh, play ball, you know, on five different teams while, you know, running from one, one practice to the other, scarfing down a, um, you know, a McDonald's hamburger and, and not, you know, eating out five times a week, never seeing your family around the table. Um, but the family table becomes the, the baseball diamond or the, the hockey arena or whatnot, you know? So what's ultimate, is that ultimate or is, you know, the peace of Christ and, and, and the purpose that we find in knowing Christ actually the the greater good that gives definition and that gives meaning to all those other things. Because mm-hmm. I think when we when we fall into the trap of we you know we just want happy kids, we just want successful kids, and, and I say they're traps. Like you said, they're noble goals and and should mm-hmm. be a part of what what we're trying to do. But those goals are always movable. You know, at first it's it's playing on the travel team and then it's playing on five teams then it's playing varsity then it's playing college oh that but you know there's always the professional and then Mm. you know even for the professional there's always the superstars like you know the and and the, the same can be applied to the arts it can be applied to to business like there's always there's always more success to be had that that never truly fulfills us because we always feel like we've fallen short of what we could do. And, and so then, 
you know, we, we keep, we keep running on this treadmill to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing, to get to the next level, you know, like, well, you have a 4.0, some kids out there have a 4.7 because they've taken AP classes and all that. So work harder, work Mm. harder, work harder to get the blessings. Um, whether they look like, like I said, acceptance to a school or a scholarship or playing time or fame or, or, you know, a bigger house, bigger paycheck, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and when we can answer the question, when we, cause I don't think anybody is out there saying, well, I don't want Jesus to be a part of my life. Um, not if you're listening to the podcast anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, there you are. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that it's not just a one-time setting of priorities like it's a constant choosing and a constant reminding of yourself and and the people in your house and the people you do life with of what those priorities are and and you know of course we've said before because we have young children that's that's where our brains are living right now but i've i've heard a number of retired people say like oh i'm so busy now i don't I don't know how I ever found time to work. And yeah. so it's not something uh-huh. that we grow out of. Right. It's still that more, more, more mentality until our bodies break down or our ba- brains ba- break down. And then, and then what do we have? Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's where it gets very interesting that, that Samuel in this story is not just spiritually, but physically located close to God. Mm-hmm. And it's in the middle of the night when God wakes him up. You know, he is, talk about doing nothing at the moment. He is totally out cold. That's when we're asleep is probably the, the greatest moments of margin. Yeah. Um, and he is, you know, he is in the room with the Ark of the Covenant. He's in the room with, um, with the lamp of God. And he is physically, but also spiritually close to God. And he is resting. Mm-hmm. And it's out of that proximity and resting that God comes to him and, and, and wakes him up and says, ah, now you're ready. Yeah. And I mean that we talked, I know on Sunday, even before you preached how bad we are at Sabbath, at rest, Mm -hmm. at, at setting time aside. Um, I mean, I mean, and I think you could even argue we're, we're bad at sleep as a culture. No one gets the amount of sleep that their bodies truly need. Um, not no one, but you know, few it's people. A very it's yeah, small percentage of the population. Um, we're not, we're not good at resting, and then we wonder why we feel anxious, we feel overwhelmed. Um, I know for me, when I have not slept, my rational faculties are not at their best. My emotional <laughs> capability is not as at its best, um, and yet we we continue to put ourselves in this position. And I say we, because I know I do it. I know that, uh, you know, I, I needed to hear this sermon as much as, as anybody, especially, you know, I think we, on our, on the wall in our conference room, we have a giant calendar (laughs) and at least once a week, pastor James and myself and our administrative assistant come in and we all look at the calendar and we just all go, yep, because it's overwhelming. And, you know, so even, we are not good at it as a church. We're not good at it as individuals. And it, it's something that we need to be aware of and actively change so that 
the kingdom of God can expand, so that Christ's community can expand, not through our efforts and through our busyness, but through our countercultural ability to rest and to hear God's voice. You spend a lot of time talking about the way that that Samuel heard God's voice when Eli couldn't. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, we just we just need so much work in that area. And Eli is the one that you would expect to hear him. He is the priest of God. He had been the priest of God for for quite some time. I mean, he's towards the end of his life here. Um, and, and you would expect if, if anyone, he's the trained clergy. He's what, who's, he is who we as a culture would look up to to say, well, you're close to God. Mm-hmm. And really he wasn't. Um, but even out of that, that broken failing life, um, God was able to, to speak and to get Samuel trained up through that. Yeah. That reminds me of how you pointed out that we can appear to be available. We can be physically available, but that that's not the whole situation. And, you know, and I, I can think of the number of times I've sat in worship services or presentations or presbytery worship or, or whatever, when my mind is on (laughs) anything except the worship that's happening. Um, you know, thinking about my grocery bill, thinking about how I'm going to turn the front of the sanctuary into a cave or whatever, um, or, you know, rehashing a conversation from two days ago, whatever it is and how, you know, in addition to building margin into our lives, we have to train our brains to have margin and to be attentive in a way that we have lost as a society when we're used to having, you know, three screens available to us at all times and and no no amount of time goes un there at least I know in me in my life when I look at it there's very few amounts of time where there's not something being told to me or asked of me or I'm listening to something um, and and my brain then isn't able to be as available to God as I as it could be if if I was both physically and mentally present, if I was able to shut things off a bit more. That, that's, uh, you know, that, I think that's the one fear that can be realized in the, in the proliferation of technology is that we are becoming more anxious about being alone with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you can, sometimes we're frenetic because we're afraid of what we might find if we slowed down and stopped and listened to our own brain for a while. And that's, you know, that's part of the reason why God, um, I, you know, gave us the Sabbath rhythm is because we need to, otherwise we'd be just, we would just fly off into, Mm -hmm. into the stratosphere through with everything that we're attempting to do. You know, God didn't need to rest, but we do. And it's a reminder that we're limited, that we're finite, that there's, that there are certain limits that we cannot simply break, mm-hmm. um, and be proud of ourselves and see, look at all the things that I do. Um, you know, I think of one colleague who, who this person prided themselves in, in their workaholism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, that's, that's not a good thing. Um, and so as we look at this passage, you know, what would it take to get to a point in our own lives, it's going to take painful choices. Mm-hmm. And we need to say that it's going to take painful choices. Um, because we, we, we suffer from a huge amount of FOMO. 
Yeah. And I think it, in that it's it's not just going to be painful for us, but it's go- going to be painful for other people too because people are going to be cheesed off when you've had to cut the thing that they're really passionate about. That, you know, that there are so many things asking for our help for our time. And so when you say to something, to, to something, this, this isn't where I'm going to spend my time, not only is that painful for you, it's painful for them and they're going to be, what do you mean you can't give this time to this thing that I'm really passionate about? Right. But that's not, that's not where I'm hearing God's voice lead me. That's not like, I can't do that and still be a healthy person. I can't do that and still be available for the voice of God in my life and in the life of the people that I love. And, and I, I fear that some people who would say, you know, I just, I need more margin in my life. I need to be able to hear the voice of God. They'd be like, really? Yeah. That's not going to, you know, the voice of God hasn't gotten you a better resume. It hasn't gotten you a better job. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's, you know, and they might not say it, but it might be in the look. It might be in mm-hmm. the, in, uh, well, whatever. Or in the gossip behind your back. Can you believe that he won't do this? Because, you know, he says he doesn't have time. Well, I think he has time. You know, right. Everyone's a critic. Yeah. And, and you know, and everyone's living a perfect life except, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, we have to be honest, I think, as the church and say, this is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. It's an addiction. And like any addiction, it's going to be painful to break because, I mean, they've even done the psychological research on technology. I mean, it's one dopamine hit after another. Mm-hmm. And so, when we go without, then we are actually coming down off of a high. Yeah. Um, and, and each successive dopamine hit, you know, you need a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more to achieve that amount. And so this is going to be a, this would, this is a countercultural shift that, that is all sorts of mental and emotional painful. Yeah. And, and hard work and work that needs to be done individually and in community because as we talk about this at a at a individual level and the family unit level it does need to go to the church level and we talked about that a few weeks ago when we talked about how each church like one church can't be all things to all people and so as a church we have to decide too who and we've been I know we've been working through this with our leadership who is our audience who is who are the people that we really want to reach and serve and not saying that if you don't fall into this category, we don't want you, but how, how do we're trying to identify where we want our effort to go. And hopefully other people will come along with us because there are benefits for them as well. And there's ministry for them and to them and from them in the midst of that. But, but these are painful things. It's hard to hear, well, you know, maybe this program isn't for me anymore. And I know you just got back from camp. Um, and my guess is that you've had to wrestle this with this, with the, the counseling staff too. When you say, wait, this isn't my experience anymore. Like this yeah. isn't about me anymore. This is about these kids that we've been called to serve. And so even if things aren't exactly the way I'd wanted or the way they were when I was 12 or, or whatever, that's not what's important anymore. We actually had a major discussion because the the con- the context for ministry has changed so drastically that um, 
we talked about the fact that it would act, actually be harder for the older counselors, the more experienced counselors to make a pivot to this idea that we may be not a, we might not be a supplement to the church's ministry anymore, but we might be a primary line for people, um, for people experiencing Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we're like, that, that's a totally different. Yeah. Like and- being a supplement to being a missionary encounter is a huge difference. And, and, requires us to approach our work in a slight in in a in a different way yeah so yeah we we've had and that's painful and we said very like i said we said very specifically this is probably harder for the older ones and then it gets into questions that you know i'm it's it's funny to be asking this at at my age but there are times where i'm sitting there going am i too old now Mm -hmm. to be a cabin counselor it Am I connecting? Am I able to connect with um, students still? Yeah. Um, and I've had to have times where where other counselors say, "No, you're you're still you're still effective. Keep yeah. going." Yeah. And sometimes that's outside of age too, and just is is my personality, is my style. It, it I we've talked about this all along in the podcast that the church is kind of reckoning with that idea of is what we're doing now still what the world needs and and how to how do we listen for the voice of God in the midst of it well it means resting it means not just trying to work harder and harder and harder which i mean for me that's really hard because my my first instinct is well if i just work harder at it it'll be better if i just if i just do more if I could only do more, then it'll be okay. Um, and the church will be successful. And that's not what, that's not what's being required of us. We're being asked, I think, like we said, as individuals and churches to, to slow down, to set things aside, to, to say no when we need to, so that we might hear where God really is leading us. That, you know, and for a church, it might look like saying, you know, that, that fellowship thing that we've done every year that takes a ton of time and a ton of energy. Maybe that's not where, you know, maybe we need to set that aside for a while so that we can focus on where God is, is calling us. You Mm. know, maybe we need to, to not worry so much about all these things so that we can focus on small groups or, or Bible study or, or mission or whatever, you know, however we feel. God is leading us. But again, with that idea of recognizing that even the church, even an individual local church can't do all the things for all the people. And, and with that FOMO going back, you know, a couple weeks, we've got to stop comparing ourselves then to other people and other churches. And, you know, if five baseball teams works for your family, great doesn't work for mine yeah and that's okay and you do you um which i know is a very you know (laughs) you know kind of lousy thing to say but but (laughs) we have to stop yeah um stop thinking that that what what other people are doing or what other churches are doing are is the way that god is leading us to and it's it's great that the church up the street can offer this ministry that's not where we're called that's not who we are right now um but but as you said there's pain in that there's fear of missing out there's wondering of 
you know, are we, have we left an opportunity unturned? Have we left money on the table? Have we, you know, have, have we not done something that we could have done to keep going? Right. And that's, uh, I mean, that connects to the rich young ruler then. Mm-hmm. If I can say that correctly, rich young ruler, much clearer. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not going to take the time to edit that one out. But, uh, you know, he was, and this is one of the things that got cut. I didn't go extensively into this, but he was so available to the law. He was so available to morality. He was so available to ethical behavior then that he was unavailable to the call of Jesus. And, and, you know, usually those are two things that we don't put together. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually we put together, you know, oh, you're living a moral life, then you must be close to Jesus. Yeah. And, and yet what we find out here is he, he is just as far, if not farther than, than most of the people Jesus encounters because, because of the wealth, because that to him is a, is a sign of God's favor to him. He is unavailable to mm-hmm. seeing it any other way. And that doesn't mean that Jesus overturns everything just to overturn it. But we remember that the law and our behaviors are meant as a response to our relationship with God and in, in uh, something that's done in right relationship with God, not to get to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's a great distinction because... I think especially as a church, but as individuals too, we think the the more we do, the harder we work, the, the more access we'll have to God, the more faith, you know, the more, the busier a church is, then clearly the more God will be present with them. And that's, that's not what we've been, that's not the image of scripture. That's not what God wants for our lives. And it's, it's got to be hard with all the anxiety that churches are experiencing yeah. because of decline, um, where, gosh, we, we've got to do something. Um, yeah. Don't I'm, just stand there. Do something. Right. And and we balance that with the practical realities of, of keeping the lights on. And, and you know, we, we've said a number of weeks in a row now that that Christianity is only one generation from extinction if we're not careful and so yeah all that anxiety plays into that that like oh well, we've got to work really hard to get this next generation this next generation doesn't want to come so we better work even harder to make it attractive to them so that they'll want to come and and those are again those are noble causes we should want to share our faith we should want to pass our faith on to another generation we want other people to know the grace and love and peace of jesus christ all good things, all important things, but we're deluding ourselves when thinking, when we think that working harder or doing more is the answer to that instead of being available for the things that, that God is calling us to do. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I likened in the sermon to creating a religious Rube Goldberg machine. Mm -hmm. And anytime I can bring up Rube Goldberg, it's just a good day. Of course. If you don't know Rube Goldberg, please look him up. I'll, I'll try to, um, I'll try to put a link in the, in the show notes just so you can look at a Rube Goldberg machine. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's almost like this Samuel passage is in some way turning the old phrase on its head. You know, don't just stand there, do something. It's, it's, it's almost saying to us, don't just do something, stand there, Mm -hmm. you know, draw near to God, allow God to be God, allow us to be 
creatures and finite and mortal. Um, and because it's, it's, it's in those margins, it's in our limits that God is able to display his power. Mm-hmm. And to bring it back to where we started, that's that's really hard to do, and it takes mm-hmm. intentional work. It's much easier to just sign up for the next thing and to, you know, add one more thing to the the calendar and to leave here to get there in enough time. It's it's much harder, and takes much more discipline to 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 remain, to stand, to be, to be silent, to rest. Um, I think, I mean, I think especially in this, in this world, those, those are the things that are much more difficult to do. And they're the ones that make people look at you and go, what in the world? What, you know, why, why aren't you doing something? Um, We hear that in the church, you know, why isn't the church doing something about this? You know, fill in the blank, whatever problem or, um, or whatever's coming down the road. There's... This is all is reminding me actually of Flannery O'Connor. I don't know if you're familiar with Flannery O'Connor's works. A little bit. Um, but she she has a statement in one of her journals that that's really uh, has stuck with me for a very long time. Um, and I'll I'll just read part of this journal here. I called it up, um, and this is a prayer she had to God in her in her journal. Um, she says, Oh God, please make my mind clear. Please make it clean. I ask you for a greater love for my Holy Mother, and I ask her for a greater love for you. Please help me to get down under things and find where you are. I do not mean to deny the traditional prayers I have said all my life, but I've been saying them and not feeling them. My attention is always very fugitive. Mm. Wow. And, and that that idea that our attention is fugitive and I have no illusions that someone would listen to this podcast and then be like, I'm going to go for a silent retreat for a day. Mm -hmm. But maybe if we, if we start to pick off the low hanging fruit, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, five minutes here and there, take the long lane in the checkout line. Yeah. Use that time to, to, to block out, all the chaos around you and pray. Yeah. Very simply, you can pray for the people ahead of you. You can play, pray for the, the checkout person or, 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 you know, find in that moment a connection with God and, and where we can calm our minds and, and practice not letting our attention go fugitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, turning off the radio in the car, you know, you're going somewhere already. It doesn't take any extra time, but just using that, that time, that traveling time for silence, for, for peace, for prayer. Um, yeah, I think, I think we miss, I know I miss a lot of opportunities because, because I have my cell phone right there because I have, you know, the next podcast ready to go, the next song, the next, book, whatever. Um, I think, I think as you said, you know, and as ideal as a silent retreat might sound, it's not sustainable forever. Right. Um, and so we do have to begin looking for the small ways that we can build availability to God into our lives, into, 
um, into our, our being, whether it's, you know, when we wake up in the morning, taking those extra minutes or, um, or before we go to sleep Mm. at night, go to bed five minutes early. Yeah. And, and, and being silent and being present and, um, just asking the Holy spirit to guide where our, our thoughts should go and where our minds should go and, and to start to illuminate where, where God might have us spend our time, where, what those ultimate things that we should value above all else are. And hand those anxieties that we have, they're going to be present with us mm-hmm. over to God in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, cause you know, we're, we've been trained to, to do it ourselves and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we, we should be responsible adults and handle this, that, and something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, to hand over the anxiety, and I think also to to name the grief that goes along with not being able to do everything. Yeah. You know, God, I really wish my kid would be able to be on this team, but it's not going to work on, on our family, and I know it's going to have impact on on the opportunities that are available. Help me to to come to terms with that. Help me to you know. Um, Sometimes for me, it's just simply, Lord, I don't know what's down the pike for my boys and mm-hmm. I want so much for them. Yeah. And I'm scared to leave that not to chance, but yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's scary to even leave it to God cause yeah. we know what God can do. I mean, um, you know, I think about it as I've prayed and worked with people at a mission conference over the years. And now as a parent, I understand in new ways to, you know, the one leader would say to parents like be careful about praying God's will for your kid especially yeah. when it comes to mission cuz you know it can be a scary and hard place to be um and also completely wonderful to be i mean I, and i think that's the difference when we um when we are available to God when we're hearing God's voice that even those hard decisions even those scary places, even those places where we continually have to ask God to help us trust, like there's blessing in that too. It It's not, a, there's a sense of, for me at least, there's always also been a sense of peace that comes along with saying no or saying yes yeah. when I feel like I'm in, in God's will. You know, I'd make an encouragement to, if you're listening to this, go back and actually read the first two chapters of first Samuel, Mm. because it has a lot to do with Hannah and her prayer for Mm -hmm. a son and her trusting God in handing him over, uh, when she, when she is blessed with a son. And so, um, it's very counterintuitive. Um, but I think it's a great story that will really highlight more, um, just kind of the, the, the choices, that were made that, that really affected who Samuel was and his closeness to God, Mm -hmm. uh, even at a young age. And I think we can pray some of those prayers for ourselves too. you know, help me give up what, what I want, what I want for my life, my dreams for my life, my, my goals, the, the, my markers of success and help me to embrace what you have in store for me. A very practical praying of Jesus is not my will, but yours be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which again is hard. You know, we're not pretending we can talk about it easily, but it's, it's hard. It's difficult. It's, we're trying to make 
and we're trying to make choices and we're trying to do what we think is best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the, the things that, that I've seen over time it shows that I, I really haven't met someone who said, you know, boy, giving my life over to God and, and to really be focused on his will has really just sapped my, my joy in life. Yeah. But it's really the, the people who have had the strongest faith in God, who have been the tenacious, joyful, not necessarily like blessed in a worldly standpoint, but they are people content to be found, like you said, in the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. That contentment is huge and has nothing to do with the amount of money or the amount of people or the amount of worldly success, which is, which is a hard thing because even to me, sometimes even when I have that contentment, then you you still constantly have people. Well, why, why weren't more people there? Why didn't more people come? Why didn't you, why didn't you do all these extra things? Hmm. And so, so again, we have to decide which voices we're going to allow to carry the day is it the voice of god and the the direction of god or the voice of the world around us and and i mean again we know the answer is god but that that makes it sound a lot easier than it is yeah to consistently remind ourselves that that god's voice is the one that we should be available to which means being unavailable to all those other voices around us yeah Super easy, but no, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, intellectually simple, yeah. practically complex. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I, I really enjoyed uh, this text. I never put Samuel together with the mm-hmm. y- rich young ruler, but in the context of our of our mission tag, uh, it just, you know, I felt like we needed both both examples to really illustrate you know, not just, oh, I need to be available, but, oh, I can be right next to him and be unavailable mm-hmm. um, so that we can we can tease that out a little bit better. Yeah. So, well, I think that probably wraps <laughs> us up for today. It's good to be back. <laughs> yes. So. We're glad to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Well, if you have found this episode helpful, would you do us a favor? Would you leave a rating and a review? Uh, that bumps us up in algorithms so that other people can find this and hopefully uh, encounter the the joy and the hope that's in Jesus Christ. And then would uh, you also, wherever you're doing uh, social media, if you are if you are on Instagram or if you are trying out threads or if you wherever you might be, uh, would you share this episode? Uh, so that others might find it. We would really, really appreciate it. Click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Um, But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.